stuck in our homes But you're not alone Our slurred feet and knees Where should the breeze COVID-19 has you down Down So stay with us and hang around Until it all works out I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. Hey, Dave. How are you today? I'm great. And you? I'm doing well. We have exciting news in the Chenoweth house. I have, have a feeling a caterpillar that, I know what that it is. Yes, a caterpillar has turned into a butterfly. The picture, although it was blocked a bit by the scaffolding around him, looks like it's actually a quite ornate little butterfly. I think so. I think so. He hasn't moved a whole lot, but I understand that that's normal after they first emerge. So we're trying to just give him some space. We did him. We sang him a little song to welcome him to Earth. And now we're going to let him try to eat some sugar water and hope that the others follow suit and hatch soon. What song do you sing for something that is newly arrived like that? Happy birthday. Oh, okay. So I guess that makes today. Sense. Yeah. 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 So we were very, very excited. So that was pretty much the highlight of my day is the butterfly finally merged. It's fantastic. Yes, we were excited. And we're almost done with school with Robbie, thank God. Except for algebra, but I'll figure that out next month. Um <laughs> Scott went in today and checked out, so he's done for the school year. So he is officially on summer vacation now. Wow. Yeah. And so it yeah. begins. <laughs> so it continues. August <laughs> 5th is when he goes back. His longest summer break ever, right? Longest one ever. It scares me a little bit because this is kind of a glimpse into what retirement might be like um and i although as i pointed out when when he's retired hopefully sports will resume so he will have more active things to do i.e watch than he's had now right right for your sake so. i hope that that is true Oh, good Lord. Although I was very happy yesterday because racing came back. So he was able to watch the, the cars do the loop-de-loop. -loop. Um, and I think it's on tonight and tomorrow. I don't know. Racing's on all the time now. So he's happy. I like how you describe a racetrack as a loop-de-loop. -loop. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever been to an auto race before? Nope. I, I had, when we first started, were we married? No, we were not married, but we were living together. I, for his birthday, surprised him with tickets to the Pocono 500, which was my first mistake because it's 500, which is yeah. a lot of miles of Many going miles. in the circle. Yeah. And this was when NASCAR was in its heyday. So it was packed. So you're in these bleachers and I, I sat down and Scott that sat down next to me and this big guy comes down 
right next to me and completely man spreads into my space. And then the next to Scott comes a big woman and woman spreads into his space. So he and I are like cramped together. We snuck a six pack of water in my purse into the race, drank, it, it was, it was, oh, it was ungodly hot. It was the end of August or the end of July. So there was no shade on an asphalt track with two man spreaders. Well, one man spreader, one woman spreader crammed in watching cars. So it smells and it's hot from the fumes. Um, it, 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 I mean, it easily was 95 air but much hotter where we were sitting we drank all of the water and neither one of us had to go to the bathroom the entire day because we just sweat everything out yep well so you painted a compelling case for why i have never gone to an escar race oh it was it was yeah oh well i have not been back so and then getting out so the pocono racetrack it's like a there's only one road in and one out. Yeah. So when you when you leave, you're stuck in even more traffic. So and yeah. there are people who are literally legit just sitting in porches, just waving and laughing at us as we're sitting in the cars. Yeah. So well, yeah, we'll not go back. That's my NASCAR. Story. But he got a um, his favorite NASCAR driver at the time was Robbie Gordon. I don't even think he's around anymore. I don't think he's dead, but I don't think he races. Um, he's not and he, he stood in line to get him to autograph something, and we didn't know we were supposed to buy something for him to autograph. So Scott, in his infinite wisdom, says, do you mind signing her leg? She can just pop it right off. So he signed my leg. The Rainbow Warrior, right? That Bobby Gordon? Or Robbie Gordon? Forget which it was. Robbie, uh, I don't know if that's his name. I, think I don't think so. Part. Uh, there were two Gordons. I'm going to look it well, up. Well, there's now. Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon is who I'm thinking of. It, yeah, it, Robbie Gordon. He liked him because he did NASCAR and IndyCar. Yeah, Jeff Gordon. When you just search it, Jeff Gordon Rainbow Warrior car. See, I'm betraying my ignorance of NASCAR. And by the way, no one make fun of me. I'm proud of it. You can't hurt me yeah. by ridiculing me for not knowing the difference between Jeff Gordon and the other Gordon who does NASCAR. Right. I unfortunately know too. I mean, the reach up there and tighten them belts one more time, boys. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing. That's how uh, they start I, all the races. Yeah, well, I, I can see I've missed nothing. I've missed nothing. <laughs> so how was your day? Uh, my day was good. I woke up. I lifted some weights this morning. That was good. So I can say that I've done something physically active. Uh, my elbows, my elbows are all messed up and I don't know why. I, I, I Googled it last night because you know when something's wrong with your body, the thing you should do is Google it because only Absolutely. good answers will happen there. So either I have tendonitis, Lyme disease or some other much more sinister disorder that they don't want to name. Um, I'm going with tendonitis. So I've just been trying okay. to stretch um, my arms the last uh, 24 hours a bit. Um, it's not worse than it was. It's just not better either. But I well, did see. Well, you have a pool, don't you? I do have a pool. It's not open. You could str you could stretch in the pool. 
I could. Um, when the summer comes, I actually do swim. Like I try to swim um, at least several days a week and I just do, I've got a very small pool, so I do a hundred laps, but it takes an hour. <laughs> it's an hour of continuous swimming basically. So that's um, good. hundred yeah. laps. That's impressive. Well, it would be more impressive if it was like an Olympic sized pool, but <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it when you take, like, I think it's, I can swim from one end of my pool to the other without taking a breath. Okay. But, you know, but I'm it's like, I'm just going to go when you have stroke. great lung capacity. Thank you. That's how I choose to think of it also. Um, so anyway, yeah, I worked out. That was good. And then it was just a busy day. And I was looking at my schedule for the rest of this week. And it's a really freaking busy week. <laughs> tomorrow is just wall to wall. I'm looking at it already. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't even want to wake up tomorrow. But um, I think I'm going to take Friday off. I determined that today. So I'm going to take Friday off from work, make it a four-day weekend. And uh, that'll be very exciting. Um, yeah. So and you I, only I have will, three more days. Yes, I only have three more days. I will also tell you, I read a book yesterday that I, I heard about on a podcast, and it's going to sound kind of absurd because I'm not a tennis player. It's called um, the, I think it's called the Inner Game um, of Tennis. It was written in 1976 by this guy who, um, I, it, it, you know, it, it became the sort of cult classic in tennis circles, but. It came up in the context of listening to a podcast about two, uh, with two professional coaches, a major league, uh, what was it, a NFL coach and an NBA coach, talking to each other, and both of them saying how this book completely changed their approach to teaching. Um, and so I, I read the book um, yesterday. It's a very short book, and I read it. And just very interesting, Peggy, in that it talks about um, how the way we normally teach is to verbalize a lot of things. You should do this, and then you should do this, and then you should do this. And they say what happens, like, so if you do that with a tennis player, if you say, try doing this physically, they say that the tennis player will try to do that. And if it, and if it works, the response is, oh, I must be doing it right. So you try to do it harder and better. And they said, and then it gets all screwed up because in your brain, mm -hmm. and, then, and, and then he talks about, he calls it, I think, self one and self two. And self one, and this is this always happens to me in any sport. You start thinking about it, right? And so self one says, you know, do X, and self two, the part the 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 part of you that's supposed to be doing it doesn't do it right. And then self one says, dang it, dummy, why can't you do it right? And you start this very destructive self talk cycle. And I actually, the reason I'm bringing all of this up was I was thinking about it in the context of learning how to walk as an amputee and um one of the first things that became very clear to me early on when i was being taught to walk was watching somebody demonstrate the activity was far more helpful for me than hearing someone talk to me about it and this this tennis coach talked about how his breakthrough was when he stopped talking to people and suggesting specific guidance and he started suggesting sort of what would be objectively absurd stuff. It was like, I just want you to focus on um, how high the ball is when it comes over the net. And basically what he was doing was he was distracting them from the thing that they thought they couldn't do. And then their body would just kind of naturally do it because yeah. the body kind of knows what it wants to do. And his whole hypothesis is 
You don't need to be taught how to do things correctly. You know, your body knows how to do it. You just need to get your brain, your thinking brain out of the way. And so um, in any event, this is all a very long way of saying that I just thought it was a quite interesting concept as it relates to maybe how to teach people to walk. And then I think it's a bit more complicated though, because you can't, it's very hard to physically show somebody how to walk if you're not an amputee yourself. You can't physically demonstrate exactly what the person is supposed right. to do if you're not an amputee of the same level of amputation as they are. Um, so I think there's some complexity here that makes it not work, but I also think there are interesting implications about it that certainly make sense to me just intuitively. I don't think it's a one-to-one -one thing that would work perfectly, but I do think there are aspects of it that totally would work. Well, I mean, I think that, that by watching you learn a lot, and that sounds like that's what this is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that that's why, like, Bob Gailey's seminars are so impactful because you're you're you have the opportunity to watch an amputee of, of basically any level perform a certain skill. Yep. I think simply I I mean look, some people are more visual learners and some people are more other types of learners, but I think when it comes to a physical activity if if I think back about being a new amputee, it would probably be more helpful to hear a lot less and to see a lot more. If someone just said, instead of saying, I want you to rock this way, I want you to load the toe, I want you to load the heel, instead of saying all that stuff, mm -hmm. if you just said, do this, and you just demonstrate what you want them to do, the person looking at it is going to figure it out. They're going to sit there and say, all right, I understand what that person is doing, and then they're going to try to replicate it without any guidance in their head, without any, you know, without any running commentary. Right. They're just going to try to replicate it. Um, so anyway, that was a... Uh, an interesting concept that that hit me yesterday as I was reading this book and that I was thinking about today and I actually reached out to a friend who's a physical therapist and said what do you think and I'm awaiting a response oh, well let me know I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that though and and I mean I I've spoken open I didn't have any physical therapy I was literally hand to the leg and my prosthetist said put it on and walk like wood and I figured everything else out um, but it, I definitely think that it would have been helpful. I would have saved a lot of time, you know, reinventing the wheel if, if somebody had given me the tips up front. Right. Right. No question. Anyway, so. that's it. That's what I got for you today. I, I managed to, we All managed right. to do something that was limb loss related. There you go. I'm proud of us. Yeah, me too. Me too. One out of every 20 or 30 of these, we're hitting a topic that's germane to the original purpose of We're entertaining people and helping them kill their time. <laughs> I hope we're entertaining them. I hope we are not uh, boring them to death or feeling, making them feel like they want to kill themselves as they listen to our tales of mundane uh -huh. reality. <laughs> I think we're just being a mirror to what society is right now. I'm going to go with that and say we're uplifting. Okay. Fine. I'll go. Throw I'll, me a bone. All right. You got it. Good talking to you, All Peggy. right. Bye. Bye. We're stuck in our homes. But you're not alone. Prosthetic feet and knees.